0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Diving Board Podcast. I am your host, Jill, and thank you so much for joining me on another weekly pop culture deep dive. I'm so excited. I've missed all of you. I hope all of you have had a good week or hanging in there. I have had, admittedly, another extremely busy week um, just trying to stay above water except of course when we're diving in but I think um, I feel like a prisoner with every week that goes down I'm just like making a notch in the wall being like okay getting closer we're almost there and I have about two and a half weeks left of this semester so I'm so excited because the light is at the end of the tunnel and I can't believe it. I was thinking the other day, I was like, gosh, I really launched Diving Board probably at the busiest time of my life or one of the busiest times, so not the best timing on my part, but honestly, I wouldn't have it any other way. I really think Diving Board and all of you have really helped me through this insane semester and really kind of carried me through this time, so thank you all so much. You all mean so much to me. So I'm really excited about this particular episode because I think this is going to be an exceptionally uh, nostalgic episode for a lot of the millennials who are listening, and I really wanted to talk about this particular person because I think if we're going to do a newlyweds episode, we have to address this individual as well, and I think this is a very good supplement to last week's episode and kind of continues that story a little bit, but then also opens up talking about the the journey of this particular individual because... There is a lot of insane things that happened during a very short amount of time to this person, and I think it's a really large part of pop culture and the pop culture of our childhood and you know our early teenage years so I'm really really excited to get into it I think it's going to be a really fun trip down memory lane for um, a lot of us so I'm really excited to get back into that time machine to 2004 and on that note on a Monday I am waiting by Tuesday I am fading and by Wednesday we're listening to the deep dive of Ashley Simpson so as you already know this is the diving board podcast and we are always going to take it from the top who is ashley simpson well ashley simpson was born on october 3rd 1984 to joe and tina simpson and ashley was actually the second daughter to joe and tina because as we know ashley is the younger sister of pop star jessica simpson and throughout Ashley's childhood, a lot of her childhood revolved around kind of Jessica in her career pursuits because Jessica, from a young age, always knew she wanted to be famous, knew she wanted to be a singer. So her parents really put a lot of their efforts into advancing Jessica's career, and Ashley was kind of along for the ride throughout the majority of her childhood. And it wasn't until the Ashley Simpson show that Ashley really kind of hit the scene and became a mega star in her own rights. And The Ashley Simpson Show debuted on MTV on June 16th, 2004. And honestly, it was an instant success because Ashley was smart and she had her feet firmly planted on the coattails of her sister Jessica and the current success of Newlyweds. So people were already interested in the show because Jessica was becoming such a mega star, and people were really interested about Jessica's life. So they kind of by osmosis were already interested in Ashley Simpson. And the show actually aired in the slot right after Newlyweds. So it was a brilliant move by MTV because people who were already watching newlyweds. I mean, millions of people tuned in each week. They were going to stay on and watch the Ashley Simpson show. So there was already millions of viewers at the premiere of her show. And We kind of knew who Ashley Simpson was kind of peripherally because she was Jessica's backup dancer for years uh, throughout Jessica's tours, and she was also on a few episodes of Newlyweds. We would see her here and there when they would go on trips or if there was a holiday and the family was there, we would see Ashley. So we knew kind of that Jessica had a younger sister and what she looked like. And Ashley kind of started getting into acting roles. She had a really small role in that Rob Schneider movie, The Hot Chick. Remember that movie? She had like a really small role, maybe two lines. But then she also played the role of Cecilia on 7th Heaven. Do you guys remember 7th Heaven? I was low-key a 7th Heaven kid for up until probably Jessica Biel left. I, I didn't watch it too much after that, but I definitely was into that show for a minute. And she was on the show for about 40 episodes. So she was there for a while. So we kind of knew who she was, but we still largely knew her as Jessica Simpson's younger sister, really until the show premiered. That's when she had her own big identity and became a star in her own right. And low key, it was so cold here in Chicago this last week. So I had a Perfect excuse to stay inside and I pretty much spent the entire week researching for this episode and sat in my studio apartment and watched every single episode of the Ashley Simpson show from start to finish And don't get me wrong, there's only 18 episodes, so it wasn't that huge of a lift, but I made sure that I was going to do my research for my divers. So I definitely watched The Ashley Simpson Show through and through from front to back so you guys didn't have to but if you would like to all of the episodes are on YouTube Um, definitely not the best quality but we take what we can get here on the diving board podcast but I still need to put that petition together to get these old MTV shows on streaming I mean we deserve them we want to watch where it's at least decent quality now the show I want to start off that's It is fun to watch still, and I think it still holds up in a sense of, I don't think I'll revisit it regularly like I do other shows, but it's fun every few years to kind of go back and see just how life has changed throughout the years. And like I mentioned in Newlyweds, uh, if you haven't listened to the Newlyweds episode, go back and listen, but this show is another really fun kind of time machine back into that early 2000s era. I mean, I mean, first off, the show has an amazing soundtrack. So many good songs are in those episodes. We have like American hi-fi, uh, flavor of the week we have a bunch of puddle of mud songs like definitely has a lot of early 2000s alternative but then we have pop songs we have like the darkness remember i believe in a thing called love that was in the show i mean we love it i miss when reality shows could get licensing to other songs so we can actually have popular music in our shows. I mean, Bravo could never, we always in Bravo shows, like in the real housewives, we always get the weird, like royalty free music. I would love to get some actual songs in there. It just adds so much. And it's like I said, it's a good time capsule into the early 2000s. We have Ashley on her sidekick, you know, she's going on TRL, she's working out with Billy Blanks. Remember Billy Blanks? He did the Ty bo videos, total throwback. I miss those Ty Bo videos so fun i actually tried to recreate one with my next door neighbor we were doing young girls bow where we recorded ourselves and needless to say billy did not pick that up but if he wants to revisit that project i am totally down and it's also fun because a lot in the show, uh, you see a lot of that mall culture of people lining up for signings. And Ashley's always in the mall, and there's people screaming, and you know, record stores saying that they sold out of the record. And that was really fun. And I know I always harp on the fact that I love these early 2000s reality shows where they really are like a sitcom. Like it all wraps up in one episode. Nothing really happens. There really is no set storyline, but it's fun to just kind of see all of these random things crammed into one episode. I mean, the show is shot interesting because... It's really like little vignettes of her life kind of strung together. Like it's kind of like a vlog, like her bowling with her friends, her cleaning her house, her writing songs with her team. There was like a weird scene where they were all in this house in Los Angeles and they're sitting on this floor. It's a carpeted floor in a circle surrounding a candelabra. Like it's a candelabra. All of the candles are lit, them playing guitar. And I'm just like isn't that a fire hazard? But some of the scenes are really funny and they're all just kind of, like I said, strung together. It's very much like my Snapchat stories from like 2016, where it would be a clip of me at the bar or a selfie or me and my friends laughing. And I just decided to record the video or me like walking down the street from going out and then me just talking into the camera, random musings at like five o'clock in the morning. And I would still post that on my story. So shout out to anyone who followed me back then. That was a weird time, but it was very reminiscent of the Ashley Simpson show. So that was probably my inspiration and I didn't even know it, but I do like these shows, like I said, because there really isn't a set storyline. So it's not so produced. It's just random clips put together. But okay, I want to preface, before we get into the true meat and potatoes of the show, I want to say that I have some opinions on it. Like I said, I did an entire rewatch, and I definitely have opinions from a 2022 lens. But I do wanna preface, I do recognize that this is a 19 year old girl we're watching. I think if a camera followed us around at 19, we all would probably have embarrassing moments that we're not exactly proud of. And I also wanna say, I am very well-versed in reality television and the way reality television producers edit things, so I get that people get bad edits. I mean, you can have an amazing day and they're going to show the two minutes where you were a brat. So I understand that, but I do still have some opinions of the way Ashley behaved on the show, which is so surprising. I mean, me have an opinion and I'm voicing it. Gosh, this is just a new era. No, I'm kidding. But I like I said, I'm I'm gonna have some opinions that I'm gonna talk about so the show it really hits the ground running because we instantly get ashley being very vocal about how she does not want to be known as jessica's little sister she's not jessica part two she has her own identity and she makes it very clear that her own identity is very very different than jessica's and i mean that's true because we talk about this in the newlyweds episode but when jessica first hit the scene at ashley's age Jessica's image and and the image that her record label marketed to the public she was very very religious she was very virginal she was very pure she never did anything wrong she was just like the really good church girl who was waiting till she was gonna get married and just a really I guess great role model to girls at least in late 90s, early 2000s view. And with Ashley, we have her being really sarcastic. She's snarky. She's talking back to her parents. She's swearing. She's hanging on her seemingly live-in boyfriend, Josh, who for some reason, her relationship with Josh Henderson only lasted the first episode of the show that's the thing with these shows because they are so short we don't get these long drawn-out storylines but it starts like I'm really in love with this guy Josh and they are just constantly hanging on each other making out with each other she's writing all of these songs about him and then five minutes later it's like Josh and I are having problems and he wants to break up he left a really mean voicemail on my phone about all of my friends and family, and we're done. It was like, what? That just, it it started, or it ended as soon as it started. That was very confusing, because I don't know. They introduced this massive storyline of her having this boyfriend, and then he was gone within two minutes. So that was a little bit odd. But the first episode really established, like, okay, we get it. Ashley is kind of like the edgier, cooler, younger sister, and she was different than Jessica. And the rest of the show really chronicles her writing and recording her debut album. And I have to say, honestly, from a marketing perspective, this is all I could think of when I was watching the show. The show is genius from a business and marketing perspective because the autobiography album was released July 20th, 2004. So we had about four straight weeks of promoting this album on the show. We heard the making of the songs, the writing process, what how, what inspired these songs, what was going on in Ashley's life while she was recording the album, and of course, the final product. And just, we formed a, an emotional connection to this album, and we were interested in it when it came out so and what i thought was really really smart in the show was that it didn't just focus on the writing of the really really popular singles of course we saw you know la la and pieces of me and autobiography and how those came together but it also focused on surrender and unreachable the more of the deep cuts of the album Because this came out before we could kind of cherry pick what songs we wanted. We were still buying entire albums. So the fact that we were hearing how so many songs were being written and we're like, oh, that's pretty catchy. I want to buy the entire album so I could hear all these songs. So that was really, really smart. And because of this, the album did incredibly well. It debuted at number one its first week, and that was actually something that Jessica's albums have never done before. She's never debuted at number one. And Autobiography went on to sell 5 million copies, which is honestly amazing, especially for a debut album. And I've always liked that album, and I revisited it this week. And it's still a very fun listen, super catchy. Like I said, I have always preferred Ashley's music to Jessica's. And I think she has more catchier songs than Jessica does. I mean, Jessica has a few, but I think there's some solid songs that Ashley has. But before I get too ahead of myself, let's get back to the content of the show and how we see Ashley kind of deal with the process of writing this album. So though Ashley is very adamant about not being compared to her sister, we see Ashley getting so many amazing opportunities solely because she is Jessica Simpson's sister. Like, let's lay it on the line. This is why she's getting all of these opportunities. We immediately see that Ashley gets a record deal with Geffen Records, who, which is an amazing record label, especially to get signed like that so easily. Like to give you some perspective, Gavin has signed artists like Elton John, Cher, Nirvana, John Lennon, Weezer, Olivia Rodrigo, our girl Olivia. So, I mean, this wasn't some little indie label. She was getting signed to a major, major record label. And she was getting it because her name was Ashley Simpson and her sister was Jessica Simpson, who was one of the biggest stars at the time. Because let's lay it on the line. And I'm not trying to be rude by any means, famous last words, but Ashley is not an amazing singer. She has some like decent raw talent. She's a good singer, but she's kind of like a singer, you know, when you're when you're in the car with your friends, driving around, listening to the radio, and you're singing the song, and your friend turns to you and goes like, oh, you've got a nice voice. Like, you're a pretty good singer. You're like, oh, thank you. Or when you're in the chorus at school, or maybe you would get a couple of solos in the school play, she wasn't, an incredible talent by any means like i said she got signed because she was ashley simpson and you know she also worked with some of the best producers and songwriters in the business like literally right off the bat people do not get opportunities like this especially for their debut album if they're a relative unknown so so ashley really benefited from her name and i'm not saying that this is ashley's fault i don't have anything wrong with nepotism it has been going on since the dawn of time there are people who get jobs because their dad is the president or their sister works at the company or you know whatever it happens it's a fact of life I'm not going to worry about it because you can't control it. And it's always going to be around. She who shall not be named, but for the sake of the podcast, we have to name her Jamie Lynn Spears. Jamie Lynn Spears got Zoe 101 because she was Jamie Lynn Spears. She was Britney Spears' younger sister. You think if she was just a random girl, she would have gotten that role? No. You think she would have been on all that? No. It was because her name is Jamie Lynn Spears. That's a fact of life. I'm not holding anything against Ashley because she got opportunities. But the thing is, Ashley rarely recognized that she was getting all of these amazing opportunities. And she wasn't really self-aware enough to be like, wow, I am really lucky to be getting this kind of special treatment because right off the bat, a common theme in the show is that Ashley is late to literally everything. And anyone who knows me, IRL, knows that lateness bothers me so much. I am habitually early to everything. I'm extremely punctual. So when you are late to especially business meetings or appointments and you're consistently late, it shows that you think your time is more valuable than other people's, that they deserve to wait on you until you get there. So that was the first thing where I was like, okay, wow, she doesn't understand the amazing opportunities that are allotted to her. And she's not grateful for them. Because if she was, she would be on time. She would be early. And, you know, for example, Ashley had a huge meeting with the producer team, The Matrix, which she was over an hour late for. And if you don't know, The Matrix, I mean, they are a massive production team. Like they are amazing. They produced most of Avril Lavigne's first album, Let Go. They produced Jason Mraz, Shakira, Ricky Martin, Britney Spears, just to name a few. I mean, they're brilliant. So to work with them was such an amazing opportunity. And Ashley is late to the meeting. And she was late to one of her meetings with the president of Geffen. And she kind of comes in and she's like, Oh, I'm, I'm trying to work on my lateness. I'm always late. And the president was like, Well, you know, when you look like that, and you sound like that, you can get away with being late which is just not true. Like that is categorically not true. There are millions of pretty girls in Los Angeles with mediocre singing talent. I mean, that's pretty much what the town was built on. So Ashley is a dime a dozen. I mean, you can't get away with that. You can get away with it because you're Ashley Simpson and the label is confident that she can make them a lot of money because of the marketing hook that was pretty much already built in. And Ashley during the show, you can tell she takes herself very, very seriously when it comes to her music. And she is adamant that she doesn't want to fall into that bubblegum pop genre. She really wants to be like the anti-Britney. And back then that was a really big movement, like the anti-Britney or the anti-bubblegum pop. Like we had Pink coming out with that song, Stupid Girl, which now is i have nothing against pink i think she's a good person but listening to that song it's it's really problematic and kind of slut shamey and we do not do that here on the diving board podcast we do not we do not support slut shaming uh, i support being safe doing whatever you want but i will never support people judging people for what they're doing that is just not okay but i have no hard feelings to pink i do think she is a cool person But the anti-Britney movement was definitely in full swing. And Ashley really wanted to be known as like the rocker girl. But let's get real. I mean, at the end of the day, her music is still pop music. Like it could kind of teeter around maybe Avril Lavigne. Maybe, you know, we're wearing the white tank top with the tie, being a little edgy. But it's still very radio friendly, very poppy. And her music... It's still very pop music radio friendly. It's definitely not rock music or alternative that we're going to hear on an alternative rock station. Honestly, you know whose music Ashley Simpsons reminds me of? It reminds me of Lindsay Lohan's band in Freaky Friday. (laughs) Like, what was that band called? Um, Pink Slip? It reminds me of Pink Slip's music. What was their song? Like... Don't want to grow up, I want to get out. (laughs) Sorry, I don't want to get a copyright infringement, so unfortunately for everyone involved... I have to be the one singing the song. So, you guys get the gist, but it definitely reminds me of that kind of music in Freaky Friday. But honestly, funny enough, um, Ashley had a song on the Freaky Friday soundtrack that was called Just Let Me Cry. And I listened to it because, like I said, this is the Diving Board podcast. I'm going to do as much research as possible. And that song is note for note. Ex-Girlfriend by No Doubt. It is a complete rip off. I loved Gwen Stefani as a kid and I was obsessed with No Doubt, but clearly so was Ashley because that song, like I said, is exactly the same song as Ex-Girlfriend, just with different words. But like I said, her music was kind of The rock music for people who just listened to pop music. Maybe it was, you know, the vanilla church girl who didn't do anything wrong and was kind of a goody two shoes, but felt a little angsty because maybe her parents instilled a curfew. So she was upset about it. So she listened to Ashley's music and kind of felt edgy and felt like she was a rebel without a cause. That was definitely kind of the vibe. It made rock music maybe a little more accessible because at the end of the day, it still was pop music. But Ashley definitely fancied herself a female rock star. But let's get real, we're not confusing her with, you know, female punk rock legends of our time. We're not confusing her with Kim Gordon or Courtney Love or you know Shirley Manson. We, we know it's Ashley Simpson. But speaking of Shirley Manson, who was the lead singer of the band Garbage, I mean, shout out to one of the women who raised me. But it's so funny. There's a part in the show where they're talking about the album, and the guy from the label was like, you know, we think it sounds like garbage you know, the band garbage. (laughs) It's like, what is this show? (laughs) It's like crazy. So um, it's interesting though, because Ashley is very adamant about not being a bubblegum pop star, like we said, which kind of comes across like she's above a lot of things. And I mean, I get it because I think back then the music industry, they were cranking out pop stars like left and right. It was kind of like throwing darts at a board and just hoping that a few of them stuck because for every Britney Spears or every Christina Aguilera or every, you know, even Ashley Simpson or Jessica Simpson, we had our pop stars who didn't quite take off. We had Willa Ford, Fifi Dobson, who was that like Sky Sweetman, just, you know, there were people who we had known their songs, but they didn't take off into super stardom like these other people did. So I think these record labels were constantly trying to create the mold of the next big pop star, hoping that they would achieve the stardom that these other people did. So maybe she was afraid of falling into that mold like so many young women did in the early 2000s, which it's interesting because I think back then you had to fit a specific Mold and fall into a specific genre and really pigeonhole yourself, but it's not like that now because I feel like we, if we like an artist, we're going to like anything they put out as long as it's good. Like, I feel like if Billie Eilish came out with like a banger pop club anthem, we would all fall all over it, even though it's totally different than what she's putting out. Like, I think we would still be so obsessed with it, or if we had like Doja Cat, I mean, Doja Cat covered celebrity skin by whole, you know, Courtney Love, and people loved it. I mean, I loved it. So I mean, Taylor Swift has switched genres, Casey Musgraves, Lady Gaga. I mean, Joanne is totally different than Fame Monster. So I think that nowadays, we're okay with more artists pivoting. I mean, we all have a variety of different tastes in music. I mean, I listen to Britney Spears and Rage Against the Machine on a daily basis. So I think an artist should be allowed to explore different types of music as well. But I just don't think that's how it was back then. So I get Ashley's concern, but she definitely has a bratty, entitled way about her throughout the show. Like there's a scene where the people at the label tell her that they want the album to sound prettier. And she has an absolute complete meltdown and she keeps repeating, I will not be Hillary Duff. I do not want to sound like Hillary Duff. I am not Hillary Duff, which ironically her production team also produced Hillary Duff songs. So girlfriend. You get what you pay for, but whatever. And she's on the phone with her mom and she's in her car and she's like, I am not doing that. I don't have to do this album. I could be out doing movies, but instead I'm putting that on hold so that I could do this album for them. And it's like, girl, like I was watching this show as I was falling asleep um, each night this week, and I had to rewind that. I was like, did I catch that right? Like this is so many people's dreams to record an album, and you're acting like you're doing them a favor to make this thing. Like you have all of these movies lined up, supposedly, and you're putting everything on hold so you can make this album for them, and you could do them this big favor girl like that was that was a little bit off-putting and we get a lot of those themes in the show like there's a scene where they hire an orchestra to play on her song shadow remember that song that was a song about living in jessica's shadow and don't feel sorry for me, which girl, we don't really feel sorry for you. But that was a really big part of the show, her creating that song. And they hired this full orchestra. Amazing. And they're playing in the studio, all of like the cello and the violin to really amp up this song and make it, take it to the next level. And Ashley is there. She's playing with her hair. She's goofing off with her friends. She's talking about what she's going to wear to some party and not paying attention to this orchestra at all and not taking in the moment. And even her producer kind of goes to her and said, Ashley, pay attention. I mean, this is a very, very expensive part of your album. And most people would kill for that, but she kind of just seemed to expected. like She didn't think that this was anything special. She's like, I'm Ashley Simpson. I deserve this huge orchestra to play on my album that hasn't even been released yet. But even though we get a lot of those bratty moments, it's still a fun watch, I will say. I mean, it's it's kind of a documentary of making the first album, and it was a treat to see the formation of a huge blockbuster album of our childhood and see the songwriting and the production and how everything comes together. Uh, we got to see Ashley write Pieces of Me, which is definitely the you know, Pièce de Resistance, the masterpiece on the album. I mean, that is the top dog. Her top song is always going to be Pieces of Me. And we watched her write this with Cara Diaguardi, who is an absolute brilliant songwriter. You probably know Cara if you watched um, American Idol. She came on as the judge after Paula Abdul left. So if you watch American Idol, you're familiar with her. And again, I mean, just a huge privilege for Ashley to get to work with her. And we also on the show get to see the origins of the relationship between Ashley Simpson and Ryan Cabrera, which you know we love a celebrity couple here on the Diving Board Podcast. So it's cool to kind of see that relationship come together. We get to see them kind of have their first kiss on the show because Ashley starred in Ryan's um, On The Way Down video. Remember that song? Love it. And Ashley plays his love interest and goes in for a kiss and they're just like making out on set. And then it cuts to her saying, it's weird kissing Ryan because he's like my dorky brother who I rollerblade with. Which girl, I hope you are not kissing your brother like that. But <laughs> it's like, okay. And she also says that Ryan used to live with her family for a year and a half, which is This is the downfall of those 20 minute episodes because we kind of glazed over that and what I, I would like to know what that meant. Like he lived with her family for over a year. I just, I would have loved to have dived deeper into that. And we also see Ashley at Ryan's concert at the Knitting Factory in L.A. And, you know, she's 19, but she's so clearly drunk. Like, she's annihilated. And after the show, she's complaining to him. like She's like, you didn't sing the song for me that you were going to do. You didn't do anything for me for Valentine's Day. You didn't get me any flowers. You didn't get me a card. And she's whining and she's wasted. And she's going on and on and on. And I'm sure... A lot of us have been there where we're drunk and picking a fight with our boyfriend for not being romantic enough. And it's just that Ashley had the privilege of these embarrassing moments being blasted for millions of viewers to see. And we have a 30-year-old woman talking about them 18 years later on her podcast. So sorry, Ashley. But I always thought Ryan was a cutie. I mean, even though he had that hairdo that always reminded me of a porcupine. I always thought he was definitely a cute guy and I loved On The Way Down. I actually looked up Ryan recently though, because I wanted to see what he looked like. And low key, he sort of looks like Joe Simpson now, which is crazy because Joe Simpson was in his early 40s on the show and Ryan is kind of getting towards his early 40s, which is a total mind blow. But he does look like Joe Simpson, which on that note, we need to talk about Joe Simpson. Um, Joe is Ashley and Jessica's dad and he was also both of their managers at the time. And we don't see much of Joe on Newlyweds. We see him here and there, but we see him a lot on Ashley's show. We probably see him almost in every single episode. And though Joe... I mean, he wasn't the first father to be a manager of a celebrity. Of course, we have Joe Jackson with the Jackson Five. And we also have Matthew Knowles. He managed Destiny's Child for a long time. But Joe was definitely the first parent manager who was more of a personality in himself. I mean, we all knew who Joe Simpson was. He was, too, a little bit of a celebrity by osmosis. So he was kind of the first dadager to be also famous. So dare I say Joe Simpson walked so Chris Jenner could run. And I mean Chris Jenner ran. She's been doing a hundred-meter dashes, blowing all of the competition away. But Joe Simpson really did pave that way for Chris Jenner. But you know, the devil works hard, but Chris Jenner works harder. Um, Joe has definitely gotten into some hijinks in recent years, um, <laughs> to say the least. But back then, Back then, Joe, he was all business. And we really saw Ashley's career take off immediately after the release of Autobiography. On the show, we see her traveling the world. She's going to Europe to do press tours. She's on a bunch of radio stations. She's on a ton of talk shows. She really hit the scene quickly. And again, throughout the show, we see Ashley kind of have those bratty moments when she's complaining about having to do a ton of press, that she's over it, she's over talking to these talk shows. And Tina Simpson snaps back really fast and puts her in her place and kind of says, you know, millions of people would love to do this. And you're sitting here complaining about it. And, you know, even Tina could kind of see how entitled Ashley was because Ashley really did seem like she was expecting all of this. There was, I mean, maybe there was moments and they just didn't show them on the show, but there was no moment of Ashley just like sitting back and being like, whoa, this is incredible and I can't believe that I have these opportunities. And throughout the summer and fall of 2004, I mean, Ashley had skyrocketed. You couldn't really turn on the radio without hearing pieces of me. I mean, the video was everywhere. She really was on top of the world. And obviously I'm a brunette, so I really loved the brunette representation that Ashley was giving us because most of the stars at the time were very, very blonde. So very that we loved it. And she really was on top and it seemed like nothing was going to slow her down. Like, like what could slow Ashley Simpson down? Nothing. Well, maybe one thing could. And that came in the form of a little sketch comedy show in New York City called Saturday Night Live. Now, this is chronicled in the show, her going to New York City and the morning of SNL, she says that her voice is really raspy and she's really worried that she's not going to be able to sing. And this is another common theme throughout the show that she suffers from acid reflux and also a deviated septum. And she would often lose her voice throughout the show and it would become really raspy. And the doctor would say, yeah, it's because of your acid reflux and you know you have to take care of that. And low key, I do not know why Joe Simpson never got her a Tums or an antacid endorsement. Like, why did they not jump on that? Because Ashley really put acid reflux on the map for the younger generation. They should have capitalized on that. That was a lost opportunity. See, I, I come from the school of Kris Jenner. So, you know, Chris would have would have been on that. But anyway, it was talked about a lot that Ashley would lose her voice very, very often. And I also think this goes back to the fact that Ashley wasn't formally trained in singing. She didn't really have a singing coach. She didn't really know the breathing techniques. She didn't know how to take care of her voice because that's what a singing coach will teach you. They'll teach you how to warm up and how to take care of things. And she kind of had that kind of yelling way of singing. It was a lot of her songs, like even in pieces of me, you don't really sing that song like you honestly yell it. And that's how Ashley sang. And I mean, it sounds decent when your voice is in good shape, but that wears your voice out really, really quickly. And this is what happened to her when she was in New York City. Because this is shown in the show where she's rehearsing the morning of SNL and she loses her voice completely. Like you hear it just go out while she's rehearsing. And a doctor comes in and says, like, there is no way that you can sing live tonight because she's really running the risk of permanently damaging her vocal cords. And she just released this album. She's going on a big tour. So she definitely does not want to do that. But of course, it's SNL. Ashley says, I cannot back out of this. So they decide she's going to lip sync to a track, which at the end of the day is not a big deal. But it was in 2004. So Ashley's first performance when she's on SNL, she first sings Pieces of Me. And that goes off without a hitch. And everyone's excited. Went great. And later on in the show, when she's getting ready to perform her second song, we have Jude Law come on once again, Ashley Simpson. And Ashley gets ready to do her kind of slinky dance that she used to do, kind of like that weird snake charmer shimmy (laughs) that she used to do on stage. I don't know how to describe it, but you all know exactly what I'm talking about. And she's getting ready to belt out Autobiography, or at least mouth the words, which also justice for that song. I don't know why Autobiography was not one of the main singles, because that song is still so good. And instead of beginning Autobiography, we hear, on a Monday, I am waiting, the vocal track of Pieces of Me begins to play again. And you can see Ashley is really confused. She's stunned. She's standing there not knowing what to do. And I have to say her band is awesome because they immediately switch from autobiography to start playing pieces of me again. I mean, they they went with it. And Ashley is a complete deer in the headlights. It's like she realizes a really big mistake just happened. And then she does that weird like hoedown jig. <laughs> <laughs> Which I am not sure why that is the first thing she did to break the ice, but I think she realizes that this dumpster fire is getting bigger and bigger. So she kind of just cringes and walks off the stage. And the band is great. I mean, like I said, justice for Ashley Simpson's band because they continue to play and go with it while the cameras are still on them. But someone in the control room at SNL must have realized okay. She's not coming back on stage so they you know quickly cut to commercial and the end of the show comes you know there's a scene where they're all on stage saying goodbye and Ashley is there with Jude Law and he's great because he's like live tv right and Ashley you can see is upset and she's embarrassed and she for some reason says like my band started playing the wrong song and I didn't know what to do sorry which girl the band did everything to try to save your ass and you threw them straight under the bus I felt bad for that band like I said just this for the Ashley Simpson band because they really did everything they could to try to save that. But whatever. Um, I didn't watch this live. Um, I was I was maybe what I was probably 13. Um, So I I wasn't really watching SNL unless like Britney Spears was on or someone I really liked. So I didn't watch it live. But watching it back, it really is embarrassing. Like I could imagine being a viewer and watching that for the first time where you're like, what the hell just happened? Because They just kind of went with it and it was, it was a really embarrassing 60 seconds of television. And especially with all of the craziness that goes on now, you wouldn't think that this would be a huge deal, but the backlash of this was massive. And it's chronicled on the show where, you know, Ashley is really embarrassed and she's freaking out because she says, I woke up the next morning. It is, and it is on every headline every website every magazine is talking about it and they did and they show ashley where she has to still do radio promotions and every radio dj is asking her about it carson daly's stupid ass is asking her about it and ashley being 20 years old she really had to field a firestorm so there's a scene where she had to call in trl and kind of explain herself over the phone while everyone is just staring at her and it's broadcasted all over. It just I mean, I feel bad. I it was it's an embarrassing moment and you have to keep talking about it. It was on the front page of everything. It was made fun of on Mad TV. It was made fun of on Family Guy. It was just a really low-hanging fruit, especially with the dance at the end. It kind of became an instant meme just with everything that happened. <laughs> it just it, like I said, it just became a low hanging fruit for everyone to make fun of. And Lorne Michaels actually talked about it on 60 minutes that he had no idea that the lip syncing was going to go down. And had he known he would have never allowed it, which Lorne, let's talk about your sound guy. What, why didn't we ever hear about that? Like who made the mistake? Because it's not really that hard to just play the right track. There was only two, you had a 50, 50 chance of getting it correct. So everyone kind of went after Ashley, but no, but no one talked about how SNL kind of had an intern or something running the sound production. Like what happened there? But we never addressed it and of course went after Ashley. And people really could not get over this, even though lip syncing is totally normal. I mean, I don't want to shatter anyone's world and I hope I'm not, but if you're going to a concert They're singing to a backing track. Maybe they're not lip syncing to it, but they're singing over it. Like there is help behind them to make them sound good live. Like, I don't know if you've seen that video of Katy Perry. I think it was on the the, probably the part of me tour where she's supposedly playing the flute and like they get the, the flute sounds going and she's playing it and then she takes the flute away and then she starts playing it again and then she takes the flute away. But she doesn't bring it back fast enough to her mouth and the flute continues to play even though it's no she's not quote playing it. So That right there shows, okay, she's making that up. She's not actually playing the flute. When I went and saw Britney Spears in Las Vegas on the Peace of Me tour, she lip-synced probably 95% of that entire show. But who cares? Like, you're seeing Britney Spears. It's fun. It's not really that big of a deal. But people really, really were offended by it. And I have to say, this is all chronicled throughout the show. And for being such a young girl at the time, I mean, Ashley handled this so well i'm i was actually so impressed like she really she really rolled with the punches rather well she soldiered on soon after she performed live at the radio city music awards and she poked fun at the incident where she's supposed to play autobiography but then um the pieces of me track starts playing again and she's like just kidding which i thought was really funny and i thought okay maybe she recognized the joke. She laughed at herself and then went on to sing live and it sounded great. But people still did not get over it. I think I think if it happened now, we all would have laughed at that and been like, oh, Ashley's kind of likable. She laughs at herself. That's funny. But for some reason, people just kept latching onto that. And I honestly think because she was rather entitled, it actually helped her carry herself through this rather well, because when you are really entitled, you're also very confident because you're just confident enough to think, I deserve all of this. I'm entitled to all of this. I'm entitled to all this great stuff. So she was a very, very confident woman. And I think that helped her kind of weather this storm in a really impressive way. And just when we thought Ashley could rebound throughout this fiasco, in January 2005, the Orange Bowl happens. And honestly, I don't know what the Orange Bowl even is. I know it's something to do with football, but I only know what the Orange Bowl is because of this incident. So honestly, Ashley put acid reflux on the map. She put the Orange Bowl on the map. I mean, she really was working overtime. So, um, and you see this on the show and when she's performing, they show that there's sound issues when she's performing. Jessica's actually on this episode and you can see Kelly Clarkson goes on before Ashley and you can't hear Kelly. Just the sound in the production was really, really bad. And you see Jessica cringing being like, oh my gosh, you can't hear Kelly and Ashley's going to go on after her. This is going to be horrible. And Ashley goes on to perform Lala and, you know, she's doing her thing. She's singing live. Um, It doesn't sound particularly good, but, you know, that's what you get sometimes when you sing live. And and this performance was interesting because, you know, she's doing those weird dances that she does. She's doing these like weird pelvic thrusts. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and they had to change the words to Lala to be a little more tame because I feel like Lala, if you listen to those lyrics, it's definitely SM by Rihanna before SNM happened. Like it's about being a little bit r- rough with your partner. So they had to change the words around to be a little bit more friendly. And there's a line in the song, and I won't sing it because I've done enough singing this episode, <laughs> so embarrassing, but there's a line where she goes, I'll be your French maid where I meet you at the door, which again is very embarrassing to recite. But instead of saying, I'll be your French maid, she sings, I'll bring you lemonade when I greet you at the door. <laughs> Like, what does that even mean? I just think they should have chose a different song because it was really, really cringe. But Ashley's doing it. She's doing her dance. And, you know, she's dancing, she's doing her thing. And then it cuts and the music ends and they cut to Ashley and she's smiling there. She is so proud. And you can see like the look on her face. I'm sorry for laughing. You could see the look on her face. She is so just delighted with her performance. Like I just killed this thing. And then it cuts from her face to the stadium and you just hear resounding, booze (laughs) throughout the entire thing like it is deafening and (laughs) i'm sorry for laughing you have to watch that video if you need a good laugh because it is crazy (laughs) i'm sorry i had to take a moment because i was laughing so hard but that is an insane video on youtube watch ashley simpson orange bowl i was not prepared for that so again, sorry, she handles it well. She handles it well. And it's shown throughout all the show. You know, she's like, oh, the sound issues were horrible. They don't address that she got booed off the stage, but um, <laughs> they don't address that. But again, Ashley, she soldiers on like this girl really is resilient, but I think she got booed so hard and got such backlash from this because this is when we kind of started seeing the cracks in the shiny new toy that the music industry threw at us you know we started to see the oz behind the curtain and people were very very unforgiving i think honestly why they weren't forgiving to ashley was because they were shown this girl who had every amazing opportunity thrown at her and you know she really got the fast track to stardom when a lot of people had to start from the bottom and pay their dues and Ashley immediately was a star and Ashley had the privilege of kind of piggybacking on her older sister. So I think people gave her maybe an inch of slack. And when she couldn't deliver, they really showed her no mercy. And through 2005, I mean, Ashley was really trying to build her career, but she was still under that microscope in the public eye. Like she went and she starred in the 2005 film undiscovered, which was a commercial and critical failure. I didn't see that movie and, um, it actually earned her a Razzie nomination as worst supporting actress. So the hits just kept on coming and Ashley she quickly went back and started working on her sophomore album and I am me her second album came out in October of 2005 so very very quickly after her debut album and this is the time where these pop singers they were really expected to release an album like every single year which is crazy to think about now. Usually we get them every two or three years, but they really wanted these artists to be machines because they were making so much money. So it was like, let's just keep getting them out there. And the album actually did really well the first week and it sold uh, a little over 200,000 albums, but the sales, they quickly fizzled. And And Rolling Stone, they kind of panned I Am Me because they talked that it's just another album that you could add to a huge list of sophomore albums of artists who have amazing debut records and you know their second record is so highly anticipated and a lot of times it can't live up to its predecessor so people are so excited for the second album because they love the first one so much and the second album kind of flops because it's just not as good as the first one it's a lot of pressure when you have a great debut album to live up to it in your second album. And very, very few artists can live up to that kind of hype. And it's difficult because if you don't live up to it, then people think, oh, that was a one hit wonder, or that was just a fluke, and she's not in it for the long haul. So there is a lot of pressure when you're making another album, when you had a really, really great debut. And the album... It wasn't a flop i mean it still went on to sell just under about a million copies but that's compared to autobiography which sold 5 million copies so sold about 20 percent and i am me actually produced two singles off the album the first was l-o-v-e which it wasn't my favorite song i mean i didn't mind it it's still catchy it has a great formula of a really catchy pop song so i will definitely give her that. But I loved the song boyfriend off the album. Like I didn't steal your boyfriend. I was obsessed with that song. And I still love that song. Like it's just a fun anthem. And I have never stolen anyone's boyfriend. But (laughs) it's still a really, really fun song. And Ashley actually admitted on Watch What Happens Live a few years ago, that that song is about Lindsay Lohan and Wilmer Valderrama that Lindsay was convinced that Ashley Simpson stole Wilmer away from her I mean like you know we love a celebrity love triangle here on the Diving Board podcast so that was the origins of that song and you know it's just crazy because everything circles back to our girl Lindsay I I just she really is just the crowning jewel of the Diving Board podcast and Once things settle down in my life, we will definitely be doing a Lindsay series, but I want to put a good amount of time into that because we got to do our girl justice, but that is definitely coming. But I just thought that was a funny anecdote that that song was about Lindsay and Wilmer, such a throwback. And to promote this album, Ashley actually went back on Saturday Night Live and she sang Catch Me When I Fall and she also sang Boyfriend. And she sang live and she sounded great, but there is no footage of this. Like nobody talks about the fact that she went back on Saturday Night Live and kind of redeemed herself. Like I have looked high and low for information on this. And it's honestly been scrubbed from the internet. I remember watching it live because I think a lot of us did because, because there was so much drama about her first SNL performance. We all went and watched Ashley return to SNL, but there is no footage of it. I can't find it anywhere. And I don't know why nobody talks about this because Like the press and society did not allow her to have her redemption arc. And I don't know, I feel like we nowadays love a redemption. I sure do. Like I think about on RuPaul's Drag Race when Valentina originally in season nine when she was lip syncing and didn't know the words to the Ariana Grande song. And then she came back on All Stars and performed to another Ariana Grande song and absolutely killed it and was like, whoa, that was an amazing full circle moment, total closure, total redemption arc, and it was great television. I don't know why back then they did not allow Ashley her redemption story because they still do not show any of her footage on SNL her second time around. Because if you Google it... I can't find any of it. If you can find it, please send it my way and I will post it on the diving board podcast because I do think people need to know that she went and did perform live on Saturday night live and did really well. And in the spring of 2006, she started touring I am me and her image had definitely changed from the original autobiography kind of punk rock image. She went back to blonde. Um, she clearly, got a nose job, she clearly um, got her chin shaven down, and people were unrelenting about this plastic surgery, which is absolutely insane to think about in a 2022 lens when Everyone is getting work nowadays and doesn't admit to it. Like the Kardashians have made pretty much their entire career off of getting work and not admitting to it. Bella Hadid just came out and said she got a nose job after years of denying it and gaslighting us all into thinking that her face just magically changed one day. I mean, celebrities continue to do this and we just kind of deal with it now because I think... We all have messed up body images now as a result. But back then, people really, really wanted Ashley to admit that she had gotten plastic surgery. And they would get really upset when she didn't want to talk about it. So that was another kind of thing in the press that she had to deal with. And I have to say, Ashley, she got a great nose job. I mean, nobody needs plastic surgery. It is not a necessity. But if it is going to make you feel better, I am all for it. That is great. I just don't like when celebrities lie about it and insult our intelligence. I would just prefer them not to answer the question, but don't sit and lie and say your face just randomly changed. But Ashley looks amazing. Of course, she looked beautiful before, but it really was good work. Um, But people gave Ashley such a hard time about this, which is insane to think about and it's really hard because this is still such a young girl. She was 22 years old at this point and this girl has gone from two years ago being a rising star and as fast as she rose, she was being torn down. like everything just seemed rushed for her. It was like album, next album, tour, next tour. It was like that lady gaga quote like club, another club, plane, car. Bus, club, it was just everything was being thrown at her. And she never really had that time where she could enjoy being a mega star. She never had that honeymoon phase because right in 2004, when her star was rising, she had the SNL scandal and kind of had to redeem herself since and in 2006, Ashley, she actually went on to play Roxy Hart in the Broadway musical Chicago. And I have to say, she was okay. She was, I, I watched a little bit of footage and she was decent. I feel like she held her own. Um, she's not, like I said, a great singer. She's, but I think she did okay. And it also was in 2006 that she met the bassist of Fall Out Boy, Pete Wentz and they were very i remember coy about their relationship like they did not want to admit that they were dating and i was an emo girl from the suburbs of chicago in the 2000s so Pete Wentz grew up pretty close to where I grew up, and he was a local celebrity. Like Everyone knew about Pete Wentz in the early 2000s before he was a massive star. He was kind of our local Chicago celebrity, and then he became a huge A-lister, and us emo girls, especially our local emo girls, they didn't want our guy dating this big pop star. So we were all like super worried about it and didn't want to admit it to ourselves. But my reality check came very quickly because I remember in 2006, my friend and I went to this signing. It was like a random signing at Tower Records. Remember Tower Records? And we went to the one in Schaumburg, Illinois, which is a suburb of Chicago. And Pete Wentz was at it. So we were like, okay, we'll go. And again, like I say, I am habitually early to everything. So we were pretty early to the signing. And we pulled into the parking lot of Tower Records. And we saw a couple standing behind a pretty large black Escalade smoking a cigarette. And when we got closer and looked, we saw that it was Pete Wentz with a young blonde girl who was wearing one of those, you know, children of the corn Malachi hats that everyone wore in the early 2000s. It was like very hipster. And we looked closer and he was smoking a cigarette with Ashley Simpson. So (laughs) laughing through the tears. No, I'm kidding. But that was like, okay. So I was like, oh, okay. They're, they're dating. And we had to come to terms with that. Too bad. It wasn't a situation where I could have sold that story to like Perez Hilton. (laughs) I'm just kidding. But maybe I could have gotten a little money out of that. I think I was just, devastated. And I was like, okay, so there's our confirmation that they're dating because she's in a parking lot in Schaumburg, Illinois with Pete Wentz. And you're not flying out here unless the relationship is serious, right? So they eventually went public with their relationship. And by 2008, they announced they were getting married and that Ashley was also pregnant. And Ashley had her first son, Bronx Mowgli Simpson Wentz on November 20th, 2008, which is crazy because he's going to be 14 this year, which is almost the age I was when I saw them in the parking lot of Tower Records. That is insane because I was 16. Oh my God. Time is insane. But yes, he's, I can't believe he's going to be 14. That's crazy. But yes, they had their first baby. And that's also when fallout boy kind of went on hiatus because pete kind of took a break to raise their son and i remember everyone was like ashley simpson she's like yoko ono she's breaking up fallout boy because pete left the band and blah blah blah, which it's like fallout boy is not the beatles guys calm down and that's not the reason that they went on hiatus but i just remember that was such a big scandal but um, for a few months in late 2009 to 2010, Ashley actually reprised her role as Roxy Hart in the Broadway musical Chicago. And like I said, she was okay. She held her own. But after this, I mean, she really did kind of fall off the grid. She kind of took a break to really commit to raising her son and spending time with Pete's, and they kind of were working out their marital woes at the time. And in 2011, she announced that she was divorcing Pete Wentz, which I was not surprised by and I'm still not surprised. Like I said, I was an emo girl in Chicago. There was a lot of stories about Pete Wentz back then and he was a rather toxic individual i can't speak on how he is now this was a long time ago but i am absolutely not surprised and that's all i'll say because i don't want to get a cease and desist from the Wentz camp you know i like doing diving boards so i don't want to do anything to upset anyone but i am certainly not surprised and pete said he was like i was taking, I was at my lowest point. All I was doing was taking care of the baby and admits he wasn't showering. And that sounds pretty on par for what I knew about Pete Wentz. So like I said, again, not surprised. And I think Ashley has gone on to better things. But throughout the 2010s, Ashley really did keep a low profile. Like She really did kind of fall off the grid. In 2014, she married Evan Ross, who is Diana Ross's son, and they've actually gone on to have two children. And they actually had a very brief show in 2018 called Ashley and Evan, and it was on E!, but the series only lasted six episodes. I did not watch it, admittedly, but I don't think a lot of people did because it had very lackluster ratings. Not many people watched the show and it was pulled after only six episodes. And there were actually reports that the low ratings was causing a strain on their marriage. So Ashley made a really, really smart decision to just stop the show altogether. She just canceled filming. She didn't want to keep going. And honestly, that is so smart. It's not worth your marriage. It's not worth your family to put a strain on all of that. And like I said, she saw her sister and her brother-in-law go through this. I think that is a really really smart move they tried the show they thought it would be great it turned out not to be let's end it before it gets worse and she also says that she didn't want her kids to be in front of the camera for that extended period of time and i really think that shows a ton of maturity on ashley's part i mean she wants her kids to have a totally normal life and she's trying to make her marriage work. She has a great blended family with Pete Wentz. You know, he has kids now with another person and she has kids with another person and they've really done a great job of bringing everyone together and I think she realized that this show might put a damper on everything and pulled it before it could get worse. And I'm very, very here for that. I mean, I love a reality television show, but if it is going to affect your personal life, it is not worth it. And through everything in all of this, Ashley really seems now to have a very level head on her shoulders and I totally applaud her for that. Like she has a really solid family life And I think that's great. I really, really admire her choices and how she carries herself now. I think she's overcome a lot in her life and has come out to be a really just solid woman who carries herself really, really well. So I applaud her for that. And will we ever get new music from Ashley? That definitely remains to be seen. I'm not holding my breath. But I'm happy for her. Like I said, I think she seems so happy with her husband. Whenever I see them together, they seem so in love and all their kids are really cute. And we are happy for her. We love to see it. We, and we wish her so well here on the Diving Board Podcast. Love to see Ashley's journey and what she's been through and who she is today. So shout out to Ashley Simpson. Godspeed. We love you. And that is the story of Ashley Simpson, a crazy story when you really look back at it and look at the timeline of how all of that crazy stuff only happened in the course of a few years before Ashley kind of took her break for all over a decade. And it really was a treat to go through the start and see Ashley's beginnings to see where she is now and see you know, everyone is constantly evolving and maturing and growing. And I love to see it. So, if you enjoyed this episode and if you learned something, I would be so grateful if you could rate me five stars on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And if you are so inclined to write me a review on Apple Podcasts, I would be so grateful. That just motivates more people to listen to the podcast and join our little diving board family. We would love to have you. And if you would like to keep up with more happenings of the podcast, I would love if you could follow me over on Diving Board Pod on Instagram, and that is B-O-R-E-D. We would love to have you join our family over on the account. It's fun. I love posting and talking to all of you and getting more ideas. So I, I love being able to connect with all of you throughout that way. So thank you again so much for listening. I love doing this every week and you guys really keep me going so thank you so much I'm so grateful for you all and I can't wait to meet up next week so until then thank you all so much and take care everyone